This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast. Together, we are learning how to make love and marriage better. A power connection is one of the most important things a house needs. It's where an outside source of electricity is connected to a house into a fuse or breaker box. And without it, many of the modern conveniences are useless in a home. Moreover, a Christian marriage must have a strong connection to its power source. Join me as we learn how to get your marriage hooked up to the most powerful connection in the universe, the power of God. Be sure to visit fixeruppermarriage.org power to follow along with the notes and to enjoy additional content. So here it is, getting power to your fixer-upper, attaining a spiritual power connection for your marriage. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. You know, there are many potential problems that can come about with power in a house. There are several causes for power loss. Maybe the meter that the power company uses to measure uses, usage is defective. Or maybe someone, and I'm going to claim uh, no knowledge of this, but if someone were to be practicing their golf swing at their house, at my house, and they were to hit the power reader box with a golf ball, perhaps maybe it has messed up the power meter reader and it is defective and you can't really have power if your meter reader box is defective. In fact, it's probably against the law if you were to tamper with this particular box that lets the power company know how much power you use. Maybe a tree or a branch has fallen over a power line near your house and now you don't have power. We recently had power loss in our area on a Sunday or the whole day we were out of power. And a lot of things that we are used to having that we take for granted. I mean, the lights were out, the heat was out. There was no way to cook. There was no uh, hot water. We couldn't use any of our electronics. My kids have Kindles and they were unable to use their Kindles. And we couldn't even play on our cell phones because we had a power outage. And then it can become something that is dangerous. I mean, your phones die and you can't call out 911. It used to be we had what's called a hard line and now we have our telephone through our internet provider so it's all together and so when the power goes out, so does our phone line and so that can be a dangerous situation and on that Sunday when we were out of power and we completely, our phones completely died. So my wife and I went out and we jumped in our car in the driveway. We started it up and hooked our phones up into the charger. And that way our phones could charge for a little while. And we'd have some way to contact the outside world. And we looked across the street and there were our neighbors doing the same thing. They had the same idea. But power is an important thing in a house. And when we lose power, it can have consequences and all these things that we're so used to having in a home all these modern conveniences are pretty much useless and in marriage marriage without a good power connection marriage without a good connection to the power of God 
can also have serious problems. Now, how does your marriage lose power? When you leave God out of your marriage, your access to his power is very limited. It's like if you forgot to pay your power bill. Well, all that power is available to you, but you forgot to pay the bill and now you're sitting in the dark. And that's the way it can be in your marriage sometimes. If you don't involve God in your marriage, things can just go wrong in a hurry, can't they? If we try to do things on our own, that power is there. However, you have that responsibility to use the power and the tools that God has given you to have a successful marriage. When you neglect to use the power of God in your relationship, you can have serious problems in your marriage. It's like living in this cold, dark house, and all you had to do was go flip the breaker or turn the switch on. And we're that ignorant sometimes about God's presence in our life. I mean, we just sit in a cold, dark house. We have all these marriage problems. We have all these things going wrong, and we've left God out of the equation. And no wonder we have the problems that we're having. What happens to a marriage that has no power connection? Discontentment takes over. Maybe you begin to wish that you were married to a different person or maybe not even married at all because of the problems that you have. Little disagreements turn into heated fights and arguments. I mean, all you need to do is figure out where to eat and you're yelling at each other. It's not a healthy thing for your marriage. And then in the worst case, you just kind of give up on your marriage. Maybe you just accept that an unhappy, mediocre relationship is all you're going to ever have. And I think there's a lot of people like that. They've just kind of given up on their marriage and they just kind of exist together. Well, we all know that God did not intend for marriage to be this way. God wants you to be happily married and to have a marriage that's pleasing to him. And by the way, pleasing to you that brings joy to your life. And some people just come to the place and they just file for divorce. I mean, it's just to them, it seems like such a hopeless thing for their marriage to be something successful that they just throw everything out the door. But how to get a power connection for your marriage? How do you get this power connection that I speak of? Number one, be consistent in your walk with God. Be consistent in your walk with God. You know, what you do every day as a Christian is really what matters the most. I think about the children's song that they sing. It's one of those songs that all kids seem to love to sing. And we sing it every time kids get together at our church. It's called Read Your Bible, Pray Every Day. And the kids go, read your Bible, pray every day, pray every day, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Read your Bible every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. Neglect your Bible, forget to pray, and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. It sounds like such a simple primary thing, but it's so critical in the Christian life that you be consistent in your walk with the Lord. That's right. Read your Bible every day. Pray every day and you'll grow, grow, grow. God wants to work in your life, but you have to be consistent in order to do that. Church is awesome. I'm one of the biggest believers in church. And when I say church, I'm not talking about some abstract idea. I mean a literal place 
where you're a member of is a body of baptized believers and assembly and you get together and you're coming together in Christ's name to worship him and to hear from the word of God. I am all for church and being faithful to church. In fact, I'm all for paying attention to the preaching of God's word. I mean, pulling out notes and taking a pen and paper and taking notes of what the preacher is saying. I mean, really getting everything you possibly can out of church. But church should not be your only means of spiritual growth. God wants to use everything you're going through every day in your marriage to develop you as a Christian. God wants to use those things that are going on throughout the week that other people don't see. Those areas in your life where other people in the church, they don't really see what goes on in your marriage throughout the week, but God is wanting to use those situations to help you be conformed to the image of his son. God wants to use every disagreement and every problem is a new opportunity for God to teach us to be a better Christian. And he does this through the problems, believe it or not, in our marriage, the challenges that we all go through in marriage. As an example, uh, my dad and I, we used to be members of the local YMCA in our area. And when I first started going there, it was a small place. I mean, they just had a workout area and a locker room, and they may have had a basketball court. I don't really remember exactly. And it wasn't very expensive at all to join. So I joined and my dad ended up joining and we would go together many times. He actually started going every day to the gym I and mean, he really got into it and I was really into it. I went two, three times a week, you know, whenever I could and really enjoyed my time working out in the gym. And there was a man there, his name was Chad and he, Chad looked like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, he was really, you could tell he spent a lot of time in the weight room. He spent a lot of time in the gym. So I don't remember how we did it, if one of us paid or we both chipped in together, but we both went together and we got personal training from Chad and he was so helpful to us. And he said, look, he said, you guys are, are really overdeveloped in your shoulders and your upper arms. And he said, what's happened is you've gotten strong in those areas. And so you keep going back to those same machines that you're strong in and you keep using those. And it was true. We did that. I mean, it was like a competition. You know, we're getting stronger. We're going to keep, and we avoided those machines that were harder for us to do. And he said, you know, you need to work on your core so you'll be stronger and healthier overall and your legs and really have a more balanced workout. And so we tried to do those things, but yeah, it was really hard because we were so used to doing things a certain way. And we, frankly, we were not strong in those areas. So we didn't want to, to go embarrass ourselves on these machines or, or face the fact that we were really underdeveloped in those areas. But your Christian, Christian life can be the same way. You know, we go to church and maybe there's a particular area of the Christian life where we get really developed in and we get really strong in and we want to keep doing that one thing. We want to keep developing in that one area. But these other areas of our Christian life, we just, oh no, we just kind of stay away from those things because those are harder for us. It's not like our specialty. We're not really strong in that area, so we don't want to grow in that area. But God wants us to be conformed to the image of Christ. He wants us to grow in those areas that we're not strong in. And God puts things in our lives every day throughout the week. And that's what's so critical. 
in your walk with the Lord. It's what happens every day in your life. God may be teaching you how to forgive through your spouse. Maybe your spouse has done something and it is hard to forgive them for what they've done. Well, God is using that to teach you how to forgive. You say, well, it's hard to forgive them for whatever it is they did. Well, think about it for just a moment. How hard must it be for Jesus to forgive us for the things we do every day? I mean, every day we mess up somehow or another. And then there's the things that we think are so big that we do. And he still forgives us for those big things. And he forgives us for those little things. And the things that are so hard, he's able to forgive, isn't he? So God may be using your marriage to teach you how to forgive. God may be teaching you how to serve him as you learn how to serve your spouse. God may be teaching you how to have a right relationship with him by learning how to have a right relationship with your spouse. How to manage that relationship with your spouse teaches you how to have a right relationship with the Lord. I'm going to say this. Cramming does not work in your relationship with the Lord. You heard me right. Cramming does not work in your relationship with the Lord. When I was in school, I was the quintessential exam crammer. And they say that's a very bad study habit for several reasons. But what I would do is I would take the book home with me that we're going to have an exam over in the material. And I would just stay up as long as I could the night before. And I would read everything I possibly could. And then the next day I would go take the exam and just depend on what all I had crammed the night before. And usually I would come out with an okay grade from doing that. They say that's a very bad study habit. For one thing, you don't really learn the material that you're supposed to learn. You just crammed everything the night before. And for another thing, it's like packing a suitcase. It could explode on you. And it's happened to many people. They go to take the test and they completely go blank. They've lost everything because they've tried to cram everything in the night before. We want to do that sometimes with our spiritual life. I mean, we've neglected our marriage. We haven't focused at all on our marriage and we start having problems. And someone says, wait a second, Brother Jason has his website called Fixer Upper Marriage. Let me go there, to fixeruppermarriage.org. And now I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to listen to every episode and I'm going to to read all the show notes and I'm really going to get help for my marriage. No, that's not the way it works. You can't cram in your spiritual walk with God, you have to do the little things every day. You have to put forth that effort and be consistent in your walk with the Lord. Cramming doesn't work. You can't wait till the problems are serious. You can't wait till you're completely falling apart and your marriage is completely crumbling. You have, you have to do things every day to make your marriage a better thing and make your Christian walk better for the Lord. If your relationship with God has slowly faded, the way back is also going to be slow. You know, we all want the shortcut to being spiritual. Consider the example of all the diet plans that are advertised today. I mean, there's always some way to get skinny fast. The advertisements that come up that I see, you know, here's this person and they're seriously overweight. I'm talking about there. 
they're large, they're big, and you see the before picture, and then you see the after picture, and it's only been 30 or 90 days or three, three months or whatever, some ridiculous amount of time, and they're standing there half naked, and they're not even embarrassed about it. And they've done some sort of new diet and it's something that you've got to buy, of course, right? Something you got to purchase. And I'm thinking, man, I really need to do that because I really need to take this vitamin or I really need to get this vitamin drink or I really need to get on this diet because I know I'm overweight and that's going to get me there in 30 days or less. I mean, this is an amazing diet. Look at this person, how much weight they've lost. But you know what, if I wrote a book and I said how to be skinny in three years, we'd be like, what in the world? Nobody wants to read that book. Nobody wants to be skinny in three years. We want to be skinny in three months, right? But we, we want things, we want the shortcut, even though it took us 10, maybe even 20 years to get as fat as we are. I mean, we've ate wrong and not exercised for that long, and now... We think we're supposed to lose this weight and be healthy in 30 days. It's so unrealistic of us. And we all know the truth. We all know what the truth is. That if we just made better choices every day, if we just got off our lazy tails and exercised just a little bit, we would lose weight and we would be more healthy. And, but we don't want to hear that. We want to do something. We want to take a shortcut and we're... That carries over into our spiritual life. We want to take a shortcut to being spiritual, but there's no shortcuts. It's just walking with the Lord every day. Making your marriage and your walk with the Lord better is a process that you go through each and every day of your life. Listen to what the Bible says in Philippians chapter 3 and verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death and the fellowship of his suffering. So God is using the things that we feel like are suffering, the things that we go through in our marriage every day, those hardships, those things that we all face, those things that are hard for us to deal with. He's using those challenges to make us more like him, to make our relationship with him more intimate. And it seems so strange to think that the relationship with my spouse could make my relationship with the Lord more intimate, but it's a true thing. And it's a thing that God designed. He designed marriage to draw a Christian closer to him. And he can use your marriage to do that if you will allow him, if you will allow that connection with him to occur in your marriage. Number two, involve the Lord in every aspect of your marriage Involve the Lord in every aspect of your marriage. Pray about everything. He made you. He made marriage. And guess what? He knows you. So there's nothing you can't pray about. You can pray about any sin, any temptation, anything that you are struggling with in your marriage, you can pray about. Pray about issues that, that you're having with your spouse. And you know, a lot of times when we do that, he has an unexpected answer. You know, we go to the Lord and we start to pray for everything that's wrong with our spouse, right? And we tell him all the things that are wrong with our spouse and we ask him to help our spouse. But if we're really honest with the Lord and we really take that time to pray, what happens is he shows us without fail what's wrong with us. He shows me what's wrong with me. And it really wasn't my spouse all along. It was 
me that God was trying to shape and mold. He deals with us individually. But it's funny how that happens. You know, we're praying for our spouse and all the problems they have and God shows us our own. But it works out that way. But pray about the issues that you're having in your marriage and you would be surprised at what God could do to help things out if you just let him, if you just involved him in your marriage, pray together. Pray about everything, but pray together. This should not replace your regular prayer time. We should all have a personal prayer time, but it's a good thing, in my opinion, for a couple to pray together. And this is something that I'm working on in my own marriage. Make it important enough for you to make the time to pray despite conflicting schedules. You know, maybe your wife goes to bed at a different time than you, or you get up at different times and A lot of us are that way, and so it's hard to make time. But we make time for things that we really want to do, right? We make time for those things. So figure out a way to make time with your schedules to pray. And understand when you do that that the devil is the enemy of your marriage. Guess what? When you make the decision to sit down and pray with your spouse, the devil is going to come up with all kind of ways to separate you, to, to ruin that, to spoil it. He hates for a Christian. He hates Christian marriage in general, but he absolutely hates it when you're trying to make steps to get closer to God and he will fight you at every turn. I mean, something will happen with the kids. Uh, The kids are getting a fight. Something will happen around the house. The phone will ring. You'll even have that FOMO condition that we've been talking about for the past few weeks and how you'll all of a sudden get all these alerts on your phone and you'll have all these distractions in your mind Wondering about all the things that you're missing out on, and he'll use that to distract you from praying with your spouse. But understand that the enemy, our enemy, the devil, he wants to keep you from praying together, and he will put obstacles there to keep that from happening. Keep your expectations for your spouse's prayer simple, because it's okay to pray simple prayers. There's a pressure, especially for the husband who is the leader of the home. And that expectation is there that he should pray a prayer that is going to solve things. Or maybe it has to be a prayer that's going to make it, uh, it's going to be comforting. It's going to problem solve things. It's going to make, it's supposed to make things better. And the truth is, as a husband, a lot of times I don't feel so spiritual. You know, I'm going through my day, I'm trying to talk to the Lord and You know, sometimes my prayers are very simple to him. I'm just praying, Lord, would you please help me today? Not some eloquent prayer. I mean, just something simple. But it is okay to do that when you pray together. Just take that pressure away and you just sit down with each other and you pray together about things that impact your marriage. Take away that pressure. Just talk to the Lord about things that affect your home and your marriage. And here's a good idea. Consider focusing on one thing when you pray. Consider focusing on one particular thing when you pray. Instead of trying to pray about all the problems that affect you and your wife, just take the time when you do pray. Take the time to just focus on one thing today. We're going to focus on praying about our children. Or today, we're going to focus on praying about our finances or today we're going to pray about this particular area in our marriage that we're struggling in and we're going to pray that God helps us through that together so it helps you just focus on one thing and takes a lot of pressure off if you can just focus on that one thing at a time in your marriage as you pray 
Commit to making that prayer time together something that is safe. And by safe, I I mean this. this. This is what I mean by this. Don't use that time to correct your spouse. I have seen this happen so many times growing up in church. I have seen people who pray in church and they're when they pray they're trying to correct someone else. But that's not what prayer is about and we shouldn't do that when we pray with our spouse. It's not a time to correct your spouse. I think about maybe the husband who's with his wife and he prays, "Lord, help my wife to be a better housekeeper and lover because I'm tired of this." No, that's not what you pray. That's not what you say when you're with your spouse and you're trying to pray together. You don't correct your spouse or the wife who who, who prays. May my husband realize the importance of spending time with me and the kids. No, that's not what you do. It's not a time to correct your spouse. It's a time to pray about specific things that impact your marriage. But sometimes that's what happens when we try to pray together and we we feel really spiritual, right? You feel really spiritual and you want to really correct the problems in your spouse's life. So here's your chance. You talk to God about it and you make sure your spouse hears you. No, make it a safe place. It's not a place to attack your spouse. It's not a place to try to correct one another. It's a time that you spend together to pray about things that impact your marriage. Don't hold what your spouse prays against them. You know, sometimes this happens when we pray together. It's just just like the devil to do this, but he takes the things that we say and he twists it and makes it into something bad. And you end up getting in an argument later on about what was said when you prayed. You know, the heat of the moment as you're angry with your husband. You prayed that I would be a, a, a better housekeeper. You prayed that I would be a better mother. You're trying to insinuate that I'm not a good mother and that's... No, you have to assume that your spouse means the best. Take what your spouse is saying, that it means what's the best for you. I mean, your spouse is sitting down to pray with you. If your spouse didn't have good intentions, they wouldn't be wanting to pray with you anyway. So just work from the assumption that your spouse means good and that your spouse's intent is good for you. So just make that commitment that you're not going to turn it into a weapon to use when you get in, in, into an argument. Or the, the husband who's angry with his wife and he says, well, you prayed that I should be a better leader. And what are you trying to insinuate? Well, don't, don't take things so personal when you're sitting down to pray with one another. Assume that your spouse means something good. But as you're doing these things, remember that God is the ultimate counselor. I am all about godly pastors and Christian counselors. They are awesome. God gives people certain abilities and they get experience and training in those areas and they grow and they're able to help us. God has given them to help us in areas that we are maybe weak in or maybe we don't have a lot of knowledge in. For example, my brother-in-law, Andy, is an electrical engineer, and he has been trained. He has experience. He's gone to school. He's gifted in that area. So if I had a question about an electrical problem, I would call uh, my brother-in-law because he has the answers. He has the experience that I don't have, and he has his knowledge that God's gifted him in that area, and he has training and experience. He just knows what's going on about electricity. So if 
if I have someone in my life that is gifted in the area of counseling and they're available to me and they're trustworthy and they're a Christian counselor and they've been trained and they have experience or a pastor, I should take advantage of that person, not in a bad way, but I should allow that person to minister to to me. God has given him that gift. And I think it's an awesome thing that God does that for people, that God gives puts people like that in our lives. But at the same time, God is the greatest counselor. I mean, he is a counselor with the big C. He is the ultimate counselor in your life. And he is the one that ultimately can get the help that we need. Ultimately, our help comes from him. Listen to this. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, as Isaiah 9 and verse 6. So he is ultimately, remember that our help comes from him. He is the ultimate counselor. But if you'd like to know more, I have other references listed here. If you would like to go to fixeruppermarriage.org slash power. You can see and read more. In fact, I would recommend that you go and read some of these verses about God being our counselor. But number three, depend on the power that God provides. Depend on the power that God provides. You keep a positive outlook on your marriage. Have confidence in what God is doing for you. Don't give up on your marriage. You know, there's a special power in staying confident about what God can do in your life. And God can do a lot in our lives, can he? God could do more if you believed him more. As a Christian, we serve an awesome, incredible God who has limitless power. But at the same time, we can limit him in what he can do in our lives by just not believing and not having confidence in him like we should. Listen to this in Psalm chapter 78. The nation is, references the nation of Israel as they traveled through the wilderness. And the Bible says this, How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert? Yea, they turned back and tempted God and they limited the Holy One of Israel. So through their disobedience and their belief, unbelief, they limited what God could do in their life. And Truly, God had great things planned for the nation of Israel, but these people, in their unbelief, in their lack of confidence in Him, they ruined what God had planned for them. And we can do that in our marriage. We don't have that confidence in Him. We don't have that faith and that belief in Him. We're not able to uh, put our confidence in Him like we should, and therefore God is not able to do what His what he wants to do, the things that he would like to do in our marriage, in our life, but have confidence in him. You know, we know that he hears us when we pray, but sometimes that prayer that we pray to him, he doesn't come back with the answer that we like. It's like I said earlier, we pray for our spouse and God, the answer God brings us is not maybe the one that we wanted. It's not the one that's going to go fix my spouse for me. You know, God is going to fix me. God is wanting to fix me through the power of his Holy Spirit and change something in me. It's not always the answer that we want. And it takes us to this age-old question is, if he can fix things, why doesn't he just fix things as soon as I ask? It's because he has this divine purpose and this divine plan. And we can see that act out in our marriage as we live our lives together He has a purpose and don't miss that purpose 
that he has. God is not trying to play games with you. He's not just messing with you. God has a particular plan. Even in marital problems and disappointments, he has this divine purpose and plan. He has something in mind. There's something he's trying to do in your life through your marriage. He wants to elevate you more to be more like Jesus through what you're experiencing every day. In Romans 8, 29, this great verse for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, be conformed to the image of his son. God is using, I'm going to say it again, I've said it so many times in the Fixer Upper Marriage class, but here we go again. God is using your marriage to make you holy. God is wanting to work through the things that we experience every day. He has his purpose and he's using the relationship that you have with your spouse to make you holy. The end result is for you to be conformed to Christ. The end result is for you to be holy. And that end result is for you to have a marriage that reflects Christ and the church. So in conclusion, how do you get a power connection for your marriage? Number one, be consistent in your walk with God. This is so key. This is like such a huge thing in your Christian walk. It's such a huge thing in your marriage is to just be consistent every day to just stay consistent even when you don't see the results even when there's not some bombastic thing going on in your life even when there's not a lot of noise going on be consistent in your walk with the lord and you will see consistent results in your spiritual life and in your marriage if you do this number two involve the lord in every aspect of your marriage maybe there's parts of our marriage that are really suffering for the simple reason we're just not letting him be involved in it. We're not letting him in. Involve the Lord in every aspect of your marriage. And finally, number three, depend on that power that God provides. Have faith. Have confidence that God is going to help you. And of course, he's going to help you. He's never let anyone down. We let him down and we miss his purposes a lot. God doesn't let us down. So depend on the power. Keep that positive aspect of what God can do in your marriage. Depend on the power that he provides. And remember that God has something amazing planned for your marriage. Let's pray. Father, we thank you again for this day, the privilege it is to be a Christian and to be saved and to have the wonderful opportunity to walk with you and to have this great opportunity to be married and to have a spouse and to have a Bible marriage and the opportunity to learn and grow and be more like you and that opportunity to be in love with our spouse and to have a happy marriage, to have a marriage that we can enjoy and a marriage that draws us closer to you as we are closer to each other. Lord, help us to apply the principles of your word to our marriage and the life that we live every day. We ask these things in your name.